0: On. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major auto podcasters and honestly, as well. That was a classic from the uh, the dope account, uh, PsyOps on Twitter. If you like those type of things, I just go check out his content. He puts out other stuff like that. Uh, that's a classic of his. It's a good one uh it, you know that had a lot of january 6 stuff in there and we're continuing our january 6 trend i've had the lectern guy on i've had the q shaman and now i'm having a journalist who was there uh on the ground there and it you know conveniently is one of the few if not maybe one of the only actually i think there were a couple other journalists but it seems to be there's clearly a skew uh in which journalists are getting prosecuted and which ones aren't uh and we have one here experiencing some uh, legal trouble in relation to that, who is there on the ground? Uh, and his name's Stephen Horn. He's also making a January 6th documentary, which I'm sure uh, that probably maybe has nothing to do at all with their choices to prosecute him. But uh, I don't know. You, a lot of you guys know I had uh, Radix on my channel, who's been working on a documentary for the Michigan stuff, the kidnapping stuff, and she's had a lot of. Similar issues uh, we're coming into roadblocks from powers that be. Uh, I mean, obviously there's a little bit power, sin- power noticing on our side So maybe we're just reading the tea leaves wrong and it's just coincidentally is how it works But uh, I, I kind of doubt that and uh, we'll kind of get into that today uh, I do remind you guys how this normally works this content uh, Most of my stuff I record it and uh, I do a live stream for my patrons and then roughly a week or so depending on my schedule goes up uh, but if you want to get those uh, that content early, patreon.com, Steinway Jose 2020 The lo- lowest level is 2 bucks That gets you the early episodes. There's multiple levels, the highest being the 20 level. that's a sponsor level. I read them off every episode. I have Jeremy, who has an Etsy store at etsy.com. a shop, such raising liberty. You can follow him at Jeremy Rhymes. Also, my co-host, the Tower Gang uh, Toad, uh, at Tower Gang Toad on Twitter. Uh, he's also, like I said, the co-host of my the Tower Gang show. Uh, that we have that is offensive comedy. So if it's not your thing, don't go watch it. And if you go watch it and say I'm offended, I'm going to oh, go okay, well I told you. I don't I, I don't really care. I also have Zach Overacker at Z O V E R A C K. Uh and then I also have Lindsay uh who is Lindsay OKC on TikTok. She's covering a lot of that OKC content. Because people like me don't want to be on TikTok. So she's doing the Lord's work and that stuff out there. I have Matt. All he ever asked me to say was repping the 219, raise hell, praise Dale. I can do that for a buck. I'm fine with that. Then at D's on Twitter, another buddy of mine. Go go check out those people. Go and see what they're hawking. Uh, those are good. I, You know, have decent relations with most of them. They're good people. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, we're covering the January 6th stuff today. I'm looking forward to getting to it. Do remind you? Uh, Terence Eki didn't kill himself. Get that shirt at toplobster.com, You associate check up, or just go to toplobster.com in general. And check out his other designs. He's got a lot of great stuff. With that, let's get Steven in here. What's up, man? How you doing? Be good. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, I've been. I was telling you before. I've been a mutual leave for a while. I saw you're working on January sixth documentary and uh just kind of kind of had an eye on you and then this popped up and oh well guess i guess that uh, moment happened where i'm finally going to bring him on and uh talk to him so uh just i guess start out let people know who you are what you're about maybe get a little we can go a little in depth on that kind of you know where you're coming from your background as a like you know journalist uh, how you started that type of stuff and then i guess kind of what you're working on these days
1: yeah so my name is Steven horn i'm an independent journalist here in uh, the raleigh Durham area of north carolina um, I guess I started doing uh, sort of independent, uh, yeah, publishing independent journalism in the summer of 2020. I was looking at what the, the local media here in North Carolina was publishing about the riots, and it didn't match what I was able to see with my own eyes. So that was sort of my spur to be like, hey, you know, I might not be the best at everything, but I can I can do better than what the, the local mainstream media is doing in Reporting on what is actually going on in the streets of, you know, at that time it was Raleigh, but, you know, I sort of report in the, the whole triangle area, which is sort of what's that referred, what that is
0: referred to as. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, How old are you now, if you don't mind me asking, because uh, I just uh, the just started to turn 25. Okay, you're you're pretty young. That's cool. That's cool. You're doing doing a, you started journalism so early. I do think it's a. You know, I've kind of gone to a little bit into like the research type of communities, and that is a invaluable thing. The problem is a lot of you guys like you who are covering this sort of stuff a lot of times struggle with the reach. So that's where like my types and your types come together. Uh, that way we can push your push the stuff you guys have to say because. Uh, I do think, uh, you know, between a lot of great work I see from a lot of different people that just doesn't get the reach that things like New York Times do. Which ironically, uh, (laughs) there was a picture that kind of, you know, in your story to come, which we'll get into. Which uh, yeah, there was an there was a New York Times reporter took a picture of you, and that was part of their legal case for you know getting you for being there. And it's like the irony of that a journalist took a picture of another journalist and said, look, that journalist is here. And it's like, well, you're here too. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I don't know. There's definitely irony be had yeah. there. Um, but yeah, let's, let's, I guess get into the events of the day. I will let you know, I'm not someone who's really super duper ever got big into like January 6th. Stuff. I'm like kind of good big picture stuff but when it comes to like the, like the, the, the minutia, I never really got into that. So, uh, you know, the, that's kind of what you're working with with me, because uh, I know I was reading through Ken Silva's article that he wrote on you. I've had him on a few times. He's a great guy. Does a lot of great work. Um, He, he was he, he was kind of going to some of the details that, you know, stuff that you went into like contentious things that uh, that you claim to have seen that are kind of like up in the air for some people, I guess. You know, you know what I mean? Uh, and Specifically, yeah. there was one cop that like the that there was, you know, contention about. How a certain altercation went down, and your it seems to be your side of the story doesn't match, but I'll let you go. Let's start with the events of the day, and we'll kind of get into you know, you know, as it proceeds.
1: Yeah, so basically, you know, I, I, am, uh, I am sort of on the conservative side, on the right side, not even I don't even really consider myself a conservative because that's sort of like what are you conserving, anyways. But anyway, like um, I'm, I'm sort of on the right side of the political spectrum, but I'm not a Trump supporter. So, you know, sort of coming up to the election, um, I had wanted to go to a Trump rally for a while because it kind of seemed like he, you know, sort of the, the MAGA movement was different than most most uh, politicians running for president, weren't able to inspire that sort of thing. So I kind of wanted to experience uh, a Trump rally for myself in person, you know, see what it was like, see what the, the feel was like on the ground. But I am also sort of a procrastinator so I kept putting it off, putting it off until eventually it was after the election. I'm hearing about January 6th. Trump is like, I'm going to be there at this protest. I'm like, well, this probably my last time, you know, very likely to be my last time to see this, this sort of uh, Trump phenomena in person. So I was like, okay, I'm, it's the last one. I'm going to, going to have to make it up. there. So I had been covering um, basically primarily Black Lives Matter, um, demonstrations and riots, some with antiva involvement in, you know, sort of the, the Raleigh Durham area. And so I had uh, well <laughs> we can get into some more of that backstory later. Basically um, I had been following some of the coverage by independent or sort of new media journalists on the previous two sort of stop the Seal million maga marches in DC that happened in I believe it was November and December. And what I saw in this reporting was, you know, Trump supporters being assaulted. You know, there are reports of stabbings. There's, you know, one, one viral video where Trump supporters were trying to make their way back to the hotel. People were throwing things at them, you know, pouring liquids on them and stuff. And so my perception going into January 6th was like, I was, you know, I basically took a day trip up on the bus, on a bus. So, you know, I, I it was leaving relatively early. And, you know, most of the violence and stuff just tends to happen at night. So I was like, I don't know that I'll see any of this stuff. But if any of this stuff does happen, I'm going to bring my my camera with me so that, you know, I'll have the the opportunity to record it, report on it, because it seemed like only only independent journalists were, were doing this sort of reporting where like they're actually on the ground where these confrontations are happening. You know, the the talking heads on all the major networks are willing to talk about them, but they didn't actually have their reporters go report on them. They're just relying on these independent or sometime, you know, sort of the, the new media journalists. Like uh, I'm trying to remember something. Like I think the daily caller had um, a, a few reporters uh, that, that went on actually on the ground and covered stuff. But that that was my perspective going into January 6th was that, you know, what the experience I had Uh, reporting as an independent journalist was primarily on, you know, demonstrations and riots. So I wasn't even necessarily planning to do anything on the rally itself. But I was prepared for these confrontations that had happened in DC between Trump supporters and, you know, sort of the the local activists, which were, which, you know, are are pretty much all on the the left leftist side of things. So basically, that was my perspective coming into January 6 was that, Hey, uh, you know, if I see any of this street level stuff, I'll report on it. Cause, you know, that that's sort of what I had put together some gear for. I had a sort of a custom built covert camera for, you know, um, safely reporting on violent rioters. So I was not expecting anything like what actually happened. So, you know, I had got there pretty early in the morning. I had been hanging around the ellipse and uh the Washington Monument. So the ellipse was where Trump was going to actually be. So there is a oh, huge line to get into there. I didn't bother with that because I just more wanted to wander around and more check out the, the atmosphere and the energy and the crowd as opposed to, you know, trying to get a, a front row seat to, to where Trump was. So, you know, by the time, you know, Trump Trump's speech was delayed, it was very cold. I was way colder than I was expecting. So, you know, by the time he's speaking, I'm like, this is, this is actually kind of boring. So, you know, I left, go find a hot drink. I came back, started wandering around, you know, I, I came across, I, I guess I went over to Black Lives Matter Plaza because I was sort of interested to be like, hey, are there any are there any counter-protesters out? And I ended up coming around to uh, Pennsylvania Avenue where, and I see sort of uh, a crowd of people moving towards the Capitol. And I think by this time Trump's speech was over, it was probably around 1.30, 1.40. Um, so, by the time I get to the Capitol, you know, I'm just moving around with the crowd. This is where everyone's going. So let's go. Um, so by the time I get to the Capitol, it's around 150. And um, even before I got to the actual Capitol grounds, sort of um, at the end of the cap, at the end of Pennsylvania Avenue, before it hits the Capitol, there's sort of like, uh, I guess, sort of like a parking lot along the end of it, you know, a bunch of spaces where cars can park and stuff. And it was when I started to get to that point before i could even really see the capital was um it's hard to describe but i i could sense that there was a riot going on you know it's sort of yeah like i said it's hard to describe um especially without sounding like mumbo jumbo but it's basically the vibe you can feel it in the air it wasn't anything specific anything any specific thing i could yeah yeah anything specific i could point to that i heard or saw but i was like hey this kind of feels like the the previous, you know, Antiva riots that i reported on. So I was like, hey, I'm going to pull out my camera and start recording. So, you know, my recording starts in that parking lot. And basically from then on, I was like, okay, I'm 100% in journalist mode. I'm, you know, following the crowd, see what's going on. Uh, you know, report on on the newsworthy stuff that I see. Do you want me to keep going or I'll, oh, I'll give sorry. you a chance <laughs> to answer to that? <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you a chance to ask any questions that you have. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, I feel did, like I, I'm just running over running No, you're over good. You're good.
0: Uh, I mean, I, th- there obviously are a few beats that I want to hit through your story because I, I did read through the piece. Uh, I, I don't know if you've gone to – well, I guess we haven't got to where the pandemonium starts to kick off because uh, it seems to be the first thing you kind of see, major thing, is a dude get pushed off uh, – uh, you know, or I don't know if it was necessarily. The, I guess the building, uh, but that I guess we'll get to that. I, I don't really have any particular questions right now, because uh, yeah, we're about to get into the meat of it. It sounds kind of like it's, it's yeah. So just we, feel we free to in to interrupt
1: <laughs> me at any time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, but yeah, I, I think we could probably keep going. I, I'm trying to struggle to think of anything else. I do. Got, I guess kind of want to make a note of that. You were following, like you did mention the Raleigh stuff, and I think uh, public consciousness has kind of forgotten a lot of that stuff. There was a lot of like. There was big stuff happening, especially in that area around that time I recall I mean I'm like I was kind of big into a lot of the gun rights movement stuff at the time and I know that was really big there and also with all the election stuff going on it was kind of like a hot yeah. center for a lot of uh, a lot of that uh, energy if you will that was yeah yeah
1: we can get into some of that later because yeah, yeah there is you know the reopen NC protest which I was I was at the the very first one where they arrested a lady and then said protesting is a non-essential activity. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of a separate whole story.
0: Yeah, I just think it is a, an but, important yeah. context because it does speak to what got built to. Like I said, it was almost like a, there was energy building there that, that that kind of bled over here to some extent. Uh, but I, I think that I don't know, I, I there's something to be extracted from there. But I just thought it was interesting. You're coming at yeah, that yeah. yeah. Up, so so, here, but
1: so to say one thing, um, which we can either get into or not, was that basically as far as I can tell, January sixth was sort of you know the the culmination, the the grand finale of the twenty twenty riot season. Um sort of overshadowed all the rest. And without without that context, you know, I I sort of doubt that um, you know, people would have acted in the same way that they did. But that's something we can either get into later or not. Because that's Yeah. yeah, that's more uh yeah but conceptual yeah. and stuff
0: yeah but yeah let's get let's get into it uh let's uh continue uh, you know what you know what happened to you we're, we're obviously we're right now we're at the we can just you can just kind of feel it in the air that like subconscious cues whether i don't know your your you know primal instincts are kicking into where you can just feel that stuff we can't explain it but i mean i'm sure we could break it down to a science if we want to but who cares everyone knows what we're talking about here uh but you can keep going Oh, did i lose you Oh, uh, I think, I you know, him. you mentioned, oh. Uh, oh. Uh, yeah, the, pro- I didn't get, give it a second. Am I, I back? A little bit delayed. Yeah. You, 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 you went for a second, maybe it was my internet. Maybe it's yours. It's always hard to tell who it is, but we're, we got a good connection now. I think it seems that way. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, I got, I actually got there just after a man was pushed off of. Um, you know, sort of a, a large staircase by the Capitol Police. So it was a two to three story drop. But when I got I got there, basically, as he was on the ground, just before they carried him off on a stretcher. So I didn't see it actually happen. Um, but, you know, I, I have seen video since then. And I'll, I'll drop a, a link in the chat to a, a thread I did on Twitter about it. You can show it or not. Um, so basically, you know, the first thing I see is, you know, this man who is unconscious, he's being carried off on a stretcher um, by police officers. And I think there are a couple, you know, EMS, There and also members of the crowd, they're all working together to, uh, you know, pick up this guy on a piece of fencing that they're using uh, as an improvised stretcher to carry him out of there. You know, I hear someone who's looking at him saying like, he broke both his legs, you know, possibly broke his back as well. So it was just, like yeah, when I that was when I got to the actual Capitol building, that that was like the one of the first things I saw. Yeah, so there's you know a video at the top there, and then a yeah a video further down as well, um, where you can sort of see that happening. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, at so, Steven E Horn for those who want to go check it out. Uh, but go on.
1: Yeah, so basically, um, you know, at the time I had not seen those videos, so I had no idea what had happened to him. But basically. Um, I'm sort of looking up at the side of the staircase. This is the Northwest Staircase, which is, you know, relevant if you get into the details. But, you know, I'm looking up at the side of the staircase. The police are, are holding the line basically halfway up the staircase. So you can sort of see the police there and then sort of see people on the scaffolding in the side of the staircase there. So almost immediately after, you know, this guy is carried off through the crowd, Um, I see people starting to throw objects up at the police holding the staircase. And almost immediately after that, you know, the the police retreat. They're sort of under this, uh, you know, sort of hail of projectiles and also pressure from the people who are on the staircase. And so they basically retreat. And so, you know, I see just a flow of people going up the staircase. So I sort of follow the crowd up there, um, up onto sort of the, the upper terrace where people sort of spread out. And basically beyond there, I don't see any police resistance. You know, I see people heading towards the door. So I head over there, basically follow the crowd into the building. There's no police at the doors. Um, I don't see any more police until, you know, I follow the crowd into sort of the room under the rotunda, you know, called the crypt, basically big round room, a bunch of pillars to, to hold up the whole rotunda.
0: And so yeah. it was... And it's, it's the, the, I'm assuming there's another level that's blocked off now by the cops is what you're implying essentially, right? They, yeah, so basically this is
1: in the basement. They're sort of stretched across the basement and they, they won't be able to hold that line for long, but mm-hmm. it was just sort of like from that outside staircase, you know, like, I don't even know, probably like uh, maybe 50 to 100 yards to the Capitol and then inside the Capitol, there were no cops um, anywhere. And so later you know, putting the pieces together um, is actually why why I started working on this documentary, because it turns out I had arrived basically at a, a very key moment when sort of the, the police defense uh, completely collapsed.
0: Yep. 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 The, the, and I so, do want to po- make a point because uh, the reason why I asked about that, like, because it's almost like they intentionally allowed an entry point for a group to enter an entry point. They probably can easily then, you know, kind of, you know, block off again is if it's essentially you're sealing a group into an area essentially you're funneling them. yeah i mean they area. so they whether they it's intentional or not you know but, they wouldn't
1: you know. retake that entrance for about i want to say half an hour to 45 minutes before they sort of retake that entrance but yeah you know basically that this, this the that's sort of the point of the documentary is to Um, basically analyze what happened between the beginning of the riot, which was at, you know, 1253 when Trump was still speaking was the first time people started pushing fences out of the way, attacking police officers to um, 213. So basically an hour and 20 minute period um, that for most of that time, the police were winning, the police were pushing people back. And then, you know, just around when I was getting there, the police sort of on the Northwest staircase there, they're sort of separated because there's scaffolding, there's walls and stuff. And so they're isolated from the main police line. Uh, They have fewer officers, they're uh, less, less armed. And so the, the, the real question here is, you know, was it just incompetence or, or was this malice? Because there were even reinforcements that arrived as the police were sort of being slowly pushed up that staircase. They march through the crowd, march right past the foot of the staircase and ignore the police officers on the staircase where they're actually being pushed back. And they join the line of police officers, which is winning and making headway. So it, it's sort of like they were watching the cameras. We know that because in some of the camera recordings you can that have been released, you can see them moving the cameras around. So they were actively monitoring the cameras. They have cameras everywhere. So it's sort of like... How how are they so uncoordinated that they're receiving reinforcements, but then the reinforcements aren't sent to where they're needed, they're sent where they're not needed. And then when the police on that staircase break, it's just sort of like a a free for all and people are able to get behind the main police line and basically, you know, have have access to multiple unguarded entrances to the Capitol.
0: Yep, And then also, like, a, essentially a captive group in a certain sense of the word. You said it was a while before they took back over the entry, but now you've uh, essentially funneled these people in, a uh, single entry point kind of deal. Uh, I'm assuming you've explored the connection between this and the uh, the Michigan stuff. Because uh, the, I mean, maybe maybe you haven't, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. a little. I mean, yeah, I've heard yeah, about, you know, what is it,
1: Stephen Dan the Tuono or whatever his name yeah. is, who was in yeah. charge in Michigan. And then, was, same tactics in yeah. DC.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Same tactics. A, oh, the, oh yeah. Same, oh yeah. yeah. With the, the Michigan
1: state police at the Capitol. Yeah. I've yeah. heard a little bit about that. I haven't <laughs> looked into that specifically too much. Um, But yeah, yeah. it was okay. for me, the whole thing was <laughs> yeah. just uh, so surreal that I was basically just defaulting to, okay, I'm going to be here. I'm going to record whatever I can. This is obviously newsworthy. You know, I'm not sure how anyone could argue that. So I'm just going to do do the best i can to film and do the best i can to stay safe and you know get home and and publish this video that i'm taking
0: yeah uh, but yeah no uh, the, the key point is that yeah they use the same tactics and then also on top of that the the guy who is running the essentially the op over there in michigan uh then got you know moved over to washington shortly before the dc uh, for the january 6th and he uh he will end up being like a, the, I think, like the, the one of the top dogs of the FBI office there or something. So, uh, I mean, if you do get pattern nosing behavior, it, it, you're like, huh, uh, I, I can get you the name later because I'm really bad about remembering names and stuff, but uh, uh, that is legit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know who you're referring yeah. to. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah,
1: because something was just coming out recently um, related to, well, I mean, some of it is coming out and some of it just that the FBI acknowledging it coming out in regards to the bomb the bombs mm-hmm. um which is that how they were set up like they wouldn't have actually exploded because the timer was like a kitchen yep. timer and it was left the night before and it wasn't ticking down so if you put the pieces together even if they hadn't found the bombs they they wouldn't have gone off so it yep. it seems very likely they were they were either placed there by, you know, some some intelligence agency <laughs> um, or they were placed there by someone else as a decoy. But what seems pretty clear yeah. is that they were not placed there to blow up yep, because yep. someone amateur enough to make bombs that didn't blow up accidentally would not have been able to escape FBI surveillance. You know, if you're an yep. amateur, you're an amateur.
0: Yeah, I actually um, just had <laughs> Kyle Serafin on my show recently, and he uh, okay, he, one, yeah, one of the FBI whistleblowers, and we talked about that. And he, I forget the specifics. Uh, I'd say, just go checking that channel back out. But uh, he was saying that they are. He, his, I don't know if it was him specifically, but he was aware of what was going on with looking into the pipe bombs. And they pretty much found, I guess, like I don't remember specifically how they tracked a certain individual. They found some person. I think it was in their credit card was used attached or something. And uh, they, I guess they actually end up questioning him and just kind of like, oh, he doesn't know, he's dropped it. One of those type deals. Yeah, yeah, like, I think they, they yeah. tracked
1: the, the <laughs> person who dropped the the devices back to, you know, the, the Metro or whatever. And then, you know, found out whose card re- was used or something like that. Yeah. But yeah and I think they, I was just in, uh, I think it might have been in that sort of mobile congressional hearing they're doing down in Florida or something that, um the fbi was saying oh yeah you know we we were able to successfully ge- use geofence data for everyone that was in the Capitol, but the data we got for where the the pipe bonds were left was somehow corrupted
0: yeah no yeah it literally <laughs> like, was according okay, to Kyle, sure. they, they followed they yeah, tracked it down corrupted. find the guy he was like he was like, "No, I don't know what you're talking about." And I think the guy has some, like, you know, shadowy background, big government, yeah, type security stuff, so. <laughs> contract or something. So, so it's like, I yeah, whatever. I think that
1: the people who were initially very skeptical, yeah, I think they're <laughs> right because the the violence and you know people moving tents and stuff at the Capitol started, you know, just minutes after the police began responding to the you know the the first device that was discovered. Yeah. So it seems. It seems that there, there, it would be an extraordinary coincidence if there was no connection there between the timing, between the timing of when, you know, there's this major police response, the Capitol Police have to evacuate all the buildings, you know, like the office buildings where AOC was hiding and stuff, you know, the, the police had to go through. And so this was sort of a somewhat major of a, a drain on police resources that they have to go deal with this, this bomb threat while also dealing with these people who are trying to get onto Capitol grounds. So, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll briefly touch touch on a theory here is that, you know, so basically we know who reported um, the first device to the FBI. So basically, you know, like uh, her name is Carlin Younger. She Works for some government-related contractor, like no pretty much everyone in D.C. <laughs> but anyway, so either either sh- if there is a connection, either she was connected or some way or what seems more likely to me is that she discovered the device earlier than they were intending it to be discovered. Because, you know, you can make an anonymous call or something, say, hey, uh, you should go look for a bomb here. And then you could have it done, you know, exactly when. So it seems like to me, maybe it was kicked off a little early because it does seem like um, it stalled. You know, whoever was wanting to stir things up, things sort of stalled on the West Capitol grounds. Police were able to sort of regain control of the situation to some some to some degree, even as people are continuing to arrive before later. You know, people are are actually getting into the capital. That that that's just a theory. You know, people feel can make of it what they will.
0: We're we're, on, we're in a similar way we there. <laughs> so, uh, there. I mean, I don't know. I I'm definitely not asserting any of these things I'm saying. Uh, there's always a chance that. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was some hooligans, but there comes a certain level of pattern noticing. We were like, I don't know. This looks pretty weird at the very least. And uh, January 6th was that reaches up to it, but I guess we'll continue on. Where, where are you, what was going on? Uh, I think you're touching on that. We just kind of ha- essentially had the first capital breach. Uh, and you know, now we're kind of getting into the pandemonium uh, in- inside the Capitol.
1: Yeah. So, so, um, basically in this room under the rotunda, the crypt, um, you know, that that was the the first, well, I guess sort of maybe the only place I saw police really make a stand against the crowd. Um, but they they are quickly overwhelmed. So there definitely were people there in the crowd who were willing to be violent, were willing to push past. Um so but there is sort of an interesting phenomena that I noticed that I hadn't seen at, you know, Black Lives Matter or or Anti Antifa riots in Raleigh was that the there there are enough people there who wanted to protect the police that as soon as the police were sort of out of the way, so to speak, you know, people would sort of shepherd them off to the side and be like, okay, you know, you're fine now, we'll protect you. But, you know, it it wasn't strong enough to stop the people who wanted to push through the police, wanted to get them out of the way. But there was there was enough of that instinct to protect the police that once they were out of the way, you know, people were, were making sure that that there wasn't any more violence against them. So that was sort of, you know, a somewhat of a strange, a strange, um, you know, situation there, because uh, you know, there, you know, throughout 2020, there, you know, the whole Trump supporter thing was, you know, blue lives matter, back the blue, all that sort of stuff. So you could sort of see some of that tension there where people are like oh you're oath breakers you're violating the constitution but then also sort of that that same or sort of i guess like a reverse side of the coin where it's like oh but we also like police officers and we don't want to see them get hurt sort of tempered with that oh they're oath breakers and we're mad at congress
0: Yep, yeah. yeah respect for the position type thing yeah
1: yeah and also you know i saw i saw one person start to sort of like damage some like diorama Uh, map thing they had down there and people were quick to stop them which is you know one of the reasons why I am you know 99.99% positive that you know this this wasn't an Antifa operation because you know nothing was set on fire and besides gaining access to the capital not much at all was broken so there you could definitely tell these these were people acting along the same lines of um, you know, a lot of the values that Trump supporters have in terms of like, oh, we don't break things, um, we don't hurt police officers, but then also at the same time, oh, we're angry at Congress and these officers protecting Congress are oath breakers, they're violating the Constitution, so we're sort of okay with with violence against them in that narrow aspect. It is,
0: I do I do want to say it is, I find it very funny and it's like, I guess it, there's not really any other way to say it than it's kind of like boomerish that the first thought, the knee-jerk reaction uh, to kind of justify the things that were going on is to go to, well, I bet you there was Antifa infiltrators, and it's like, don't get me wrong, I am very uh, skeptical when I see this, and I, I don't immediately buy the initial one, but my thought doesn't go to, oh, Antifa infiltrators, I go to, you know, agent provocateurs, like, of some sort, you know, something a little bit more official. Uh, and it, I just find it funny. That's where their heads go to uh, yeah. right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, there definitely <laughs> were provocateurs. The, the yeah. question
1: is, how many of them were agents?
0: Exactly. Were like just, maybe maybe no. a teeth or two slipped in there, but it's like, I don't know. And even then, I feel like a lot of the time, some of the uh, – there was probably some negative, negative aspects of the Antifa riots that, you know, or especially the BLM stuff, that there was some things that made it look like there was agent provocateurs as well there. So I think this perception is getting skewed a little bit on both sides of the coin onto what we're actually really dealing with as opposed to the uh, real world, you know, what the real reality is as opposed to what people's perception of these different groups is. So uh, Yeah, you know. and
1: I mean, this, this was kind of, uh, this was a boomer riot. Um, for sure that that's sort of what separated it from from uh all of the the rest of the riots of 2020 you know not not just the ideological difference but um you know if if these had all been like millennials and gen z they they probably wouldn't have made it into the capital It's really sort of that that boomer um gen x go get it mentality that you know allowed them to face off to the police while they were being set on fire with flashbangs and pepper sprayed and all this stuff yeah um <laughs> so there, there was sort of a, I don't know that that's my observation on the the generational difference
0: yeah i guess there was a. I believe this maybe it's not as much of a key point as i think uh but the like i, I Bet this is—we're probably going to get. You were probably about to get into it. I mean, if there's something uh, significant before, you can let me know. But uh, you caught an interaction uh, with uh, police officer Harry Dunn. I don't know if maybe I'm misinterpreting the way that uh, you know Ken wrote this article, perhaps. Because uh, he said several oath keepers purportedly protected Officer Dunn from being assaulted, but Dunn later denied receiving protection. Uh, I guess so, I don't know if that he's getting the purportedly Yeah, so from so you? that's
1: that. Uh, you know, there's sort of one one thing that happened before that. Okay. Um. All so right, basically, right. you know that these police officers and the crypt. You know that that line dissolves. The police officers move off to the side. Um. You know the crowd keeps spreading throughout the, throughout the Capitol. You know, as as far as I could tell. From what I now I wasn't like on the the very front edge but from what I was seeing you know it, it didn't look like uh, extremely well coordinated you know I I didn't see people being like okay let's go into this room let's go into that room let's make sure he hit this place let's make sure you hit that place it seemed more like people were like oh wow we're actually in the Capitol and just kind of wandering around spreading out um, you know maybe trying to find Congress um, but which presumably uh, if <laughs> if they had gone there with the intention of breaking in, you know, they, they probably would have figured out where Congress was beforehand. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's sort of, you know, an offhand remark. But yeah, so basically, you know, I, I'm following the crowd and we end up at the doors of the House of Representatives. And so people are banging on the doors. People are definitely trying to break in, but like they're so packed into like the alcove that they can't even really get any force against it. So people are even saying like, hey, back up so we can actually break through. You know, I think that's a famous image. You know, a lot of people might have seen where there is, you know, like a broken window pane and a handgun sticking out of it. You know, that, that was from that door there. You know, obviously, you know, I was sort of back. I wasn't right in there. So I didn't even know they were sticking guns through. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was just observing that. I was back a little and they ended up, you know, deploying some sort of uh, chemical agent or tear gas of some sort, um, you know, sort of inside the Capitol in that hallway to disperse people from that doorway. So they're deploying it pretty thick, you know, so thick that you couldn't see the, the end of the hallway like forty to fifty feet away. And you know, I don't, I haven't, I don't know if this is confirmed, but um, I've heard that a lot of the you know damage to the capital you know if you've seen some of the numbers they put out with like oh this is this is how much the damage was i i don't think they've ever been clear on how much that damage was to you know all the priceless artwork from the chemical weapons that the police deployed <laughs> uh, you God, know makes, i makes i don't mean... think i've, I've ever uh, seen a clear answer on that because obviously <laughs> you know, the, the rioters did break windows. They broke doors. I saw a broken mirror in Pelosi's office, but by and large, uh, they actually didn't break much, uh, for a riot. And so it's like, okay, if you're getting into like tens, hundreds of millions for restoration, um, I kind of suspect that, uh, some of these expensive paintings, which the rioters did not touch, you know, if you're having to do restoration work, you know, you might want to consider whether, uh, your, your protocols regarding chemical weapons inside the Capitol.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of that uh, movie, The Other Guys, or that one scene where, where they, uh, they they stop the like the bad guys or whatever, the, the opening scene, and then it's like, oh, you caused $8 million in a, a public property damage, uh, and it was for minor possession. Do you really feel like it's a val- valuable use of funds? And he's like, hell yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, there definitely is definitely probably something to the, the destruction uh, <laughs> on yeah, side, which
1: right? I mean, yeah, I could under I could definitely understand the argument of whether you still say, okay, well, let's let's recoup that cost from the rioters we are prosecuting. But I think you know, you should you should at least be honest of be you know reasonable. how <laughs> how these costs were incurred. Yeah. Um,
0: uh, all right. Well, I guess we can keep, but moving yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So basically,
1: after that, yeah, that that's the the next scene with with Officer Dunn is I'm coming back from. Um, You know, the house chambers towards the rotunda, you know, most of the people are moving in that same direction because the chemical weapons deployed and because, you know, Ashley Babbitt had just been shot basically down the hallway and up a flight of stairs from where I was. So, you know, as I'm walking back to the rotunda, you know, there's, there's sort of a small round room just off the rotunda. So sort of between the rotunda and the National Statuary Hall. So I'm walking through there and when I and, you know, as I'm walking through the National Statuary Hall, you know, a couple of police officers passed me because at this point there, you know, like there was an organized police defense of the, you know, of the doors to the actual chamber. You know, I think those were some of those were Secret Service who had their their guns out from the pictures. You know, there was obviously uh, Officer Bird who shot Ashley Babbitt. Um, but but in general, you know, when I'm seeing police officers move through, they're not like part of some organized defense, but they also don't have a problem just like walking through the crowd. just like out of the way, coming through and, you know, people just let them come through. But then when I walk into this this uh, round room called the small house rotunda um, and I, I see the police officer there who I now know is Harry Dunn, um, it was a completely different completely different vibe so to speak you know his attitude was was completely different you know it was like he was angry agitated um so he's at you know sort of one of the entrances or exits to the room and there are a couple people who are yelling at him screaming at him they look really upset you know I got sort of the impression like when you walk in um sort of like on the end of an argument and you're like okay I'm not exactly sure what is going on here but I can tell that you know, something has already happened to, to get people to the state where they are. So it was like, you know, these people were yelling at him. He wasn't yelling back, but he looked really agitated. He had his rifle, like he was, he looked like he was, he was very close to, you know, starting to shoot people with his rifle. Um, But in between him and the people who were, who were upset with him was this group of people in sort of militia style gear. Now I I didn't you know read their their patch at the time but you know later I find out that uh, you know those are some of the oath keepers. So but basically you know what I remember my recollection for the time was like these are people in military in sort of like the militia style gear you know it's sort of like a a style mm-hmm. um, you know some of them had helmets plate carriers patches whatever none of them had like guns or anything that I could see but basically they were trying to calm down they're both they're trying to calm down the officer. And they're also, you know, some of them are facing the other direction, trying to calm down the people who are yelling at the officer. So basically, you know, that was my impression. I didn't stick around in that room too long because, you know, there's a guy with a rifle. I didn't want to get hit by a stray bullet. So yeah, that was like my brief recollection as I went through here. It was like, hey, the officer is agitated. The people yelling at him are agitated. And there's a, a group of these people in the middle trying to, to calm the situation down. And I believe, um, I, I don't have a source for this off the top of my head, but my understanding is that um, there is a note in, uh, in an FBI filing somewhere basically saying, uh, you know, this is what Officer Dunn said when he was first interviewed by the FBI, and then this is what he said later. So the first time he was interviewed, I believe the account he gave was pretty similar to that, then later, with all the political pressure, um, you know, with him being on TV and testifying to the committee and stuff, he changed his story to, oh, no, the Oath Keepers were not doing anything positive. They were not trying to help me. They were not calming things down. Um, but, but my understanding is that the original interview he gave to the FBI um, does match with, with what I saw and with uh, what I recorded.
0: Yeah, you're right. I, I looked at followed the link that uh, Ken put in there, and you're 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 correct. It was a it was testimony he gave to a uh, to a what what you say? It was like a panel. Yeah, the FBI. It, yeah, I, I yeah. forget
1: like it's like a you know specific number of form when they're they're yeah, interviewing yeah. someone.
0: So it might be you're talking, might be talking about the 302s. I believe they keep yeah, the FBI yeah, 302s, believe. and that might be that it. Right. But yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, when you look at stuff like this, you got to realize it's also being filtered through multiple. So like they'll be like they said this, but then you don't actually have access to it. But we'll show you some of this. Uh, yeah, and you always got to be. Anytime you're filtering information through the FBI, you got to keep that in mind. I do believe he probably did say that, though. <laughs> but my only point being is sometimes the information could yeah, be skewed when sure. the uh, filter that you're it's going through is the FBI. So, uh, but yeah, go on.
1: Yeah, but you know, I I know what I saw. I know what my impressions were mm. based on, like. Walking into that room and being like, "Okay, wow," um,
0: yeah. Which I mean, obviously, yeah. that was probably a. I'm assuming that uh, you know, that testimony probably came out at a time when we were still kind of crafting the public consciousness of what to think of this, essentially. And and obviously now, any mention of anything positive from any of these individuals was would be shuffled to the side, so we can characterize them as a, as a. Yeah, especially because
1: mob. they they are trying to you know. They're trying to find the big conspiracy. So what they they found is the Proud Boys, which are, as far as I can tell, doing what the Proud Boys had been doing all summer, which was kind of causing trouble, but not like overthrowing the government kind of trouble. Mm -hmm. And then the Oath Keepers, which were, you know, not definitely not as prone to fighting or or drinking as the Proud Boys. But, you know, they did go into the Capitol but then when they they saw this situation, you know, they did seem inclined to protect law enforcement, which is kind of their thing. You know, the Oath Keepers is, oh, we're, we're the police officers and soldiers and whatever who are actually keeping our oaths. So but but yeah, they're definitely looking for a group, a conspiracy to sort of pin the whole thing on. And, you know, I you know some proud boys were involved in some you know some of the initial violence and definitely some of the later violence but as far as i can tell um the riot probably still would have happened if there were no proud boys and no oath keepers there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh and i think now we're kind of getting near the end the other major point is i guess kind of when your picture comes up as we alluded to earlier uh kind of an event there unless you have any other significant events Yeah, so day.
1: well basically so you know, I come into to this this room, the small house rotunda. You know, the officer is is guarding the closest door to the right. So I take the closest door to the left. I don't really know where I'm going. There are people in there. And it ends up that like, this is Pelosi's office suite. You know, I see the guy, uh, I believe his name is Big O Barnett, you know, where he was photographed with his, his feet up on the desk. Um, but I end up coming out of there and I end up in the rotunda. And at this point, you know, I guess police has sort of started, maybe started clearing some areas or at least started pushing back. So people are sort of, people are sort of spread out in the Capitol. Now they're sort of gathering back into the Rotunda. Um, so, you know, that's where they're, you know, I saw people smoking marijuana, stuff like that. And getting to where, where my picture was, was famously taken by the New York Times, I see a group of people um, sort of gathering, coalescing near one of the the entrances or exits to the rotunda, depending on how you look at it. You know, this one, I believe at this point, um, I think this was the only exit sort of blocked by police. Um, may, maybe there's another one, but basically at least two of the exits were free. You know, people could, could come and go. But this one was blocked by police. So I see us sort of getting heated over here. So I climb up onto the base of the statue to be able to film down. And, you know, what I'm filming is people uh, assaulting the officers there. They're sort of trying to push the police officers back. Um, You know, I remember specifically one person, you are like jabbing with a flagpole and then the police like grab the flagpole, take it away. And they're actually able to push the police sort of backwards, you know, through this entrance sort of into a hallway where there's a staircase um, until more police reinforcements arrive and sort of you know restore their line to to the opening so that you know they're they're preventing anyone from from exiting through there or i guess probably more using that staircase to um you know go up or down not uh, to uh, to other levels
0: yeah i just shared the picture it just such an yeah and so picture.
1: basically like you know you can see I, you know that was that was the one point I, I pulled out my my phone to record with because I was sort of trying to reach around the corner because the you know as a as police, you know as the, the rioters pushed the police back, you know I wasn't really able to see. but you know the camera that I recorded the two hour video with is actually in my helmet and you can't see it because I'm smart and I didn't want to get beat up by violent rioters who weren't fond of being filmed. Um, but yeah, so so basically, you know, as that picture is being taken, you know, I, I'm literally filming the, the police being assaulted, which, you know, I, I think most people would would consider fairly newsworthy. Um, but yeah, so basically, af- it wasn't long after that, that, you know, I, I made my way out of the Capitol, quite a few people were doing so at the time, because you could sort of tell at that point, you know, the ties have sort of turned, the police were were you know, gathering at at least two of the exits, the rotunda sort of starting to potentially shepherd people out. They ha- they hadn't really started yet, but you could you could sort of tell that that uh, they were going too soon. And so I was like, OK, you know, I'm I'm not trying to be the last person in here, so I'm going to get out when I can. Um, you know, the police actually. So this was uh, the Columbus stores that most people were exiting through. So it's basically right there across from the rotunda. And so they actually like closed those at one point as people were trying to get out, but then they're opened fairly quickly, so I was, I was able to make my way out. Um, I stuck around for a little bit. You know. I saw where the, you know, the, the police officer put on a MAGA hat to sort of uh, lead some of the police officers out who had, you know, the police officers had sort of put out a call on the radio, you know, like we're trapped or whatever. Um, and so he got, you know, some Oath Keepers to help him get them out of there. So I just, you know, saw them as they're marching out. I was like, hey, this is, this is kind of strange. I'll, I'll film this. Um, you know, there's sort of like an open mic situation going on. Someone had brought like a speaker. And so various he were speaking on the mic. And the, the interesting thing about that was um, how many of the speakers specifically reference like the shutdowns as their motivation for being there, because, you know, you would think it would be more related to election fraud and stuff like that so it's sort of surprising how many of them sort of mentioned mentioned this this other reason though is sort of their their motivation what they were passionate enough about to you know get up on a mic and talk for a couple minutes yeah. also the space force you know one lady got up there <laughs> saying you know it's, looks like i'm getting out of focus but basically like oh it's, it's so great that trump uh created the space force to save us from aliens um <laughs> other than that you know uh it wasn't too long after that that uh well i did run into john sullivan that was sort of interesting um you know he was the the antifa guy who was that that's the one thing that we know there is antifa there is antifa aligned press so basically john sullivan um he was kind of shunned by by some Antifa activists already because um he would, you know, stir up trouble. Uh, but there are also more, more accepted Antifa journalists there as well. Um, they mostly kept their distance because I think they they kind of got the vibe that it wasn't necessarily safe to be up at the Capitol building. But you know, there there were a couple on on Capitol grounds who yeah. were taking pictures and videos of the the Trump supporters and stuff. But anyways, you know, yeah, I ran into him out there. I didn't know who he was at the time. Just he was saying, oh, yeah, I just saw someone be shot. You know, he was showing some people the videos because they are sort of challenging him like, hey, you're not wearing any Trump gear. He was like, oh, you know, I remember the media. Yeah, like uh, bulletproof vests on under his jacket with like uh, press on it. He was showing people. And yeah, yeah, it was this uh, sort of a chaotic scene out there. You know, I saw someone letting air out of the tires of the three police vehicles <laughs> that were parked out there. You know, I saw it reported that like their tires are slashed, but I'm pretty sure just, you know, this one old guy that I saw with a Leatherman who is, you know, using the bow <laughs> to uh, let the air out of the tires.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's a, uh, I don't know. That's kind It's of like, familiar. yeah, that's it's meaningful. like, yeah,
1: we're riding, but uh, not won't even slash the tires. <laughs> uh, that's
0: funny. Uh, Alright, so I think that's the, the sum of your day there, and then now we get into kind of the aftermath, and I guess uh, you tried to, uh, you know, get, I mean, obviously I'm sure you kept copies, but you tried to forward some of your uh, you know, stuff you had put together to the FBI to help them piece this together, you know, probably thinking there was, you know, I mean, just doing what you felt like you are supposed to, kind of like, yeah, I guess technically they break the law you know and also you kind of identified yourself as a journalist kind of like you know so that way they they were aware of this i guess is a a point of contention later uh and then obviously that leads into your current legal problems but uh I'll, i'll pass the floor to you
1: yeah so basically you know on the drive home i was downloading the footage from this you know custom camera that i had built you know as as soon as i could when i got home i i you know put it together as one file published it and i believe uh, first places I published it were Rumble and Facebook. Um, so basically, yeah, as, as soon as I got it, I believe I got it up on the 7th. You know, you can still see that video on Rumble. You cannot see it on Facebook because um, they they deleted my account, which I, I never had any troubles with Facebook before because, you know, I, I'm i not even that the type of person to really post spicy memes or anything like that. So my I never had any warnings or complaints from Facebook, but you know after i was reported on that i had published video on my facebook account then one day i tried to log in and the account's gone no way but anyways <laughs> yeah so basically i was like you know the purpose of taking video was to publish it so as soon as i could publish i published it because i kind of realized like hey this is very newsworthy possibly the, you know the, the most newsworthy event i'll ever witness personally with my own eyes so I was like, Hey, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to publish this video as soon as I can. Um, I believe it was that day or the next day that, yeah, like you, you said, I, I reached out to the FBI. Um, you know, I think they had like a specific tip line for January 6th, but it, it wasn't working correctly. So I submitted a tip through their general tip line. And I also, uh, sent an email to the the north carolina attorney general's tip line because he had made a public statement that you know he was working with the fbi or whatever and so basically i was like hey you know i saw people assaulted i saw what you know vandalism one person committing vandalism and then otherwise just you know evidence of vandalism and so i figured like hey this is something that they would be interested because if you remember from 2020 there. are you know, in Portland and stuff, they did arrest people for assaulting police officers. But in general, you know, the <laughs> there, there wasn't, you know, a vast, a vast history of them, you know, basically, you know, going after people to the, the full extent of the law or anything like that. So but I was like, hey, you know, I did see people assaulting police officers. I figured that was something that, that they would likely be interested in.
0: Well, you see, they they destroyed private property, whereas these guys destroyed our democracy. So that's why it's much more important.
1: <laughs> yeah, well well you know, they they uh brought their unwashed feet into the shrine of democracy or the yeah. temple of democracy. <laughs> I believe they use those words temple of democracy, and you know, the the house or the the congressional resolution, you know, recognizing the bravery of the Capitol police officers or whatever yeah Um, so yeah the temple of democracy is a big deal um you you don't want to desecrate it um (laughs) yeah but yeah basically you know when i had when i was when i was contacting them with that you know i i had no idea the the scale of the the manhunt that they were just getting started on
0: yeah and then uh, i guess they the next you hear from them is when they come to talk to you about um uh essentially the pipe bomb stuff like you i guess you assumed they yeah get so that was some else but go ahead
1: so basically you know when i'm reaching out to them you know i wasn't expecting them to like come after me or to try to arrest me but you know obviously as everyone knows you should never talk to the police without a liar even if you've done nothing wrong um or if you have done something wrong and you want to get away with it regardless you know i, I had watched uh, a good lecture you know uh I forget exactly what it's called, but it's on YouTube. It's like, don't talk to the police. You know, it's some some uh, college professor basically giving a lecture on why the constitutional amendments, the constitutional protections are for the benefit of the innocent, not for the benefit of the guilty. So you should always use your constitutional rights, always exercise them, um, basically, r- regardless of whether you think you need them or not. So I was, you know, I had I had sent in this tip, you know, I had included... You know my phone number, email address, whatever. So I was expecting, you know, if the FBI wants to talk to me, they'll they'll get in touch, try to arrange something. Um, but they end up just they show up at my house. I was at work, so you know, I get a I get a call from the house saying, hey, you know, the FBI just showed up. They're heading over. So I'm like, okay. So they show up, and yeah, the the first thing they say is they have they have a printout. I think they I think I could see they had a couple of the um, security camera images from the pipe bomber you know, that had that been published, you know, printed out. They were like, hey, you know, we want to ask you questions if you know anything about this. Now, I am fairly certain that they were not being entirely honest with me as to, you know, that's, that's actually why they wanted to question me. Um, because when I did say, hey, you know, um, I'm not talking to you without legal counsel present, you know, Sixth Amendment right. Uh, got my lawyer when I did end up sitting down with them they didn't really seem to have much questions about the pipe bomber because I, you know, I wasn't anywhere near the the RNC or the DNC or whatever. You know, I'm guessing that was just sort of their their icebreaker tactic, so that basically anyone would be like, "Oh yeah, I want to catch a terrorist. I want to catch a bomber. I'll talk to you," to yeah. you know, sort of uh, weasel their way in, so to speak. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have weird. a great opinion of the. General honesty of law enforcement officers, especially in their interrogation
0: tactics, especially the federal kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yes, um, so now I guess we kind of get into the legal troubles you're experiencing. It seems to me this seems like a you mentioned before independent journalism, that was the word I was looking for. It seems to be because there have been other journalists I, I that I, I can't recall names specifically, you may be able to, that I think did get you know sort of in trouble. To different levels or another, but it seemed to be a common trend. Was it was obviously the more right wing, uh, you know, journalists and also typically independent ones. The like, you know, the New York Times example. And I, I want to be clear. Yeah, I, I mean, actually, yeah. I so, don't so, so the, I'll
1: I'll, uh, I'll address that specifically. You know, I believe that was that was a, a freelancer who was on. I'm I'm drawing a blank on the word. Like on commission, it's not commission. But anyway, there's a word when basically you know you're a freelancer. You're working on a specific project so you know he had been hired by the the New York Times contract work yeah, yeah 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 I mean there's a there's a specific word I'm drawing a blank on for you know when you're you're a photographer or something working for a publication but um freelancer assignment assignment, <laughs> assignment. he was on yeah. assignment for you know the New York Times um and so yeah he entered the capitol you know with the mob like I did. Um, I believe he even entered through the same door that I did around, I want to say I was even within a couple minutes of when I did, you know, when he took the picture of me, it was probably half an hour to 45 minutes later, but we had, you know, ended up back in the same room. Uh, he takes a picture of me, I think, you know, seen by, by millions of people on social media. And so, um, in the, in the FBI's criminal complaint, I believe, you know, uh, Whatever specific term it is for the document, or well, I guess oh, I guess it was like an affidavit attached to the criminal complaint saying this is why this is why we're charging Stephen Horn. You know, the the first thing they have in there was we got these tips based on this image. You know, two people saying, "Oh, I recognize this is Stephen Horn." What they don't mention is that days before is when I had sent in a tip myself. But somehow, you know, they they managed to leave that out of their affidavit and sort of imply through. Um, not mentioning it, that the first they heard about me was, was through these tips that other people sent it. And one of the tips even specifically said, oh, you know, I'm, you know, Stephen Horn was, was there as a journalist, which I was sort of surprised by because, um, you know, the, the reporting I had done uh, on local riots and stuff, you know, I, I was not doing it under the name Stephen Horn. I was doing it sort of as a, uh, basically on a Facebook page that didn't have my name on it. So I'm not even sure, you know, how many people know knew that that I had a history of independent journalism, but whoever, I guess whoever had this tip and either knew about that or just assumed based on my character that, you know, I was I was there as a journalist, not as a rioter. Let's be but, real. You know, how this
0: usually this game usually works is the tip is is just information they receive through uh, I mean, I guess it could have been a legit tip, but a lot of times that's a, I find a, the, all these tips, 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 anonymous tips are always usually typically uh, things they found through other sources. <laughs> so uh, th- that might be why they include the journalist's little label in there. Yeah. In there. So yeah.
1: even though they, they had that tip, you know, which, which informed them that I was a journalist, they still did not follow their procedure for members of the news media, uh, you know, when they investigated arrested, charged me, etc. which basically the policy for members, the news media is that they have to get permission from the attorney general directly to say, okay, you know, these are the facts of the case. You're okay to proceed with, you know, this, this investigation, this search, this arrest warrant, whatnot, but they, they did not follow. As far as we can tell, they did not follow any of those procedures in regard to me, even though they they themselves referenced this tip they received telling them that that i was there as a journalist
0: yeah uh i i did want to make a point that i do it it is funny and you kind of the selective how this works is uh it's this is in a sense like i'm actually of the opinion that you know you know media shouldn't have any magical extra rights than the rest of us and um, i would assume you may may as well to where but i also don't think you should be getting charged so i mean it doesn't sound like there was anything legitimate that you did that would really be considered breaking the law i don't, I don't know maybe but point being is i don't think they should have additional rights but we're in this weird spot where they they kind of pay lip service to that but then You know, it's this anarcho-anarcho tyranny type thing to where they are able to pick out certain people, and they can go, "Oh, well, this guy broke the law," and then this other person, they go, "Oh, well, this guy's a journalist, so you know, we gotta let the we we can't be seen attacking the media," Uh, you know, and but it's obviously selectively done, you know, to independent journalists probably far more often. I mean, whether that's just kind of incentives in place to where, you know, there's like a subtle thing or like, well, well, we know this guy probably doesn't have the means to fight it like a New York Times reporter does or something. Or maybe it's more sinister than that to where it's, you know, more intentionally done and more overt. But I mean, it's hard to tell. But anyways, I guess I don't know if there's like much more to go on the specifics of your legal troubles. I know. The, big, the latest thing I think in that was that you're kind of at this, you know, uh, junction point where you're still kind of waiting on stuff right now. Uh, it seems to be last you heard from the, the judge, it was kind of like he wasn't really seeming to bite on the argument of that, you know, the, the fact that your media or whatever should, you know, somehow affect this. But he is, you know, seems to be, uh, you know, uh, amenable to the argument that um, perhaps it was selectively done like we've been alluding to here. Uh, I don't know if you want to touch on that some more.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, with with any judge, I think they're they're usually fairly uh, coy on what you know what what they will rule on motions that you haven't brought yet. So you (laughs) know, we didn't make a a motion related (laughs) to. Yeah, we made a motion. I believe it was uh, under basically Brady uh, asking the the government should have to disclose sort of basically information about whether they followed this process and how they followed this process. Um, so you know that that motion was denied, but the judge sort of did uh, you know give some sort of indication as to you know hey you know based on the the case law whatnot you know the, these are the the specific requirements that you have to be able to show evidence of to sort of you know pursue a motion in this direction. So that's sort of currently. Um, what we're, we're trying to gather is, um, so basically I'm aware of at least 26 other journalists who entered the Capitol with the mob that have not been arrested. So basically right now we're working on gathering some, some affidavits to basically um, you know, bring us that part of the motion to show that basically I believe it's referred to as similarly, similar, similarly situated uh, you know, individuals who were, were not charged um so yeah we're currently working on that so the the last hearing we did have a trial date scheduled for september 13th and so uh july 7th is sort of the the deadline for us to uh file that sort of motion before
0: all right uh is there anything that my audience or anyone really can do to help you i don't know if you have a gofundme or just you maybe just have any work you're trying to promote or anything Or, or maybe even just as simple as if, you know, a journalist out there that was there and didn't get charged to pass. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. If
1: (laughs) if you happen to, to be a journalist who is covering January 6th, who specifically entered the Capitol and you have not been charged, then yeah, I would love to hear from you. Um, you can, you can find me on Twitter at Steven E Horn. You can also find my contact information there. If you want to message me there or send me an email, um, I also have this documentary that I sort of mentioned a little. Basically, it's focusing on that you know hour and twenty-minute period between when the riot started and when the Capitol was breached, and sort of focusing on some of what what the police were doing and how it sort of happened. That the police defense completely failed, and people flooded into the Capitol unimpeded. Um, you know, also sort of touching on you know. The police pushing the, the man off the staircase, which was, you know, kind of in this series of events. And also that the police, you know, starting to, to fire basically an extensive use of flashbangs uh, into the crowd that was gathered there, setting at least one person on fire. You know, they, they seriously injured some other people with their, their crowd control weapons. So basically, the documentary is focusing on that period to, you know, specifically understand you know, narrow focus, not not trying to say who is right, who is wrong, not trying to excuse anyone, but sort of trying to to understand the facts of, you know, how this this uh, very well guarded building was breached. So you can find that at J6 documentary on most social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. Also, most of the alt media platforms as well. So if you're interested in that, you can look it up, follow us there. Uh, we're hoping to have that up pretty soon, but uh, this is the, the first documentary I have done. So I have not not been doing great on, uh, you know, keeping it to a timetable and, you know, uh, being aware of when when we'll finally get all of the the small final kinks worked out to to have that ready for publication.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do have a lot going on in your life right now. So yeah, I can, I can yeah I'm, uh... I'm still
1: trying to, you know, report on local news here in North Carolina you know specifically in the raleigh durham area that that's really uh really what i'm focused on um really what i would prefer to be doing instead of all this january 6 stuff
0: yeah all right i'm gonna run through a few comments from my patrons in here uh i have they're actually all from one guy jc he said protesting is only essential when it has the blm's the seal of approval yes that's when when you're fighting racism it's okay um, boomers were probably let in because they were perceived to be mostly harmless old overweight etc yeah, there's definitely probably some to that. De- destroying property equals cringe, destroying democracy equals based. Yes, I'm very much on the hoppian terrain in that I'm not a fan of democracy. Uh it sucks. Uh, but uh Chrissy Mayer was at January sixth. Has she has he been on her show? She would probably be receptive to his perspective on the event. Uh I mean have you been on with Chrissy Mayer or really anyone else no. at all? No. Yeah. Okay. Um
1: yeah, I've been on been on a couple with a couple people. Uh not anyone too big, but yeah, here and right. there.
0: Well, everyone on my show, go out there, go on Twitter, hit at Chrissy Mayer, or whatever the heck her ad is. Uh, you know, bring on Stephen Ehorn. There you go. I do think that would actually be a good discussion. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of curious if she's been charged, I mean or not, because I don't know if she'd be considered a journalist though. So I, I don't know what what. Yeah, kind of I mean, so so for.
1: the thing is, they basically there were, um, from what I can tell, there were tens of thousands of people. Um, on Capitol grounds outside the building. So basically, um, the vast majority of people they have charged are either people who went into the building or people who you know assaulted the police or broke something. So mo- So the vast majority of the people who are only outside and didn't engage in violence have not been charged
0: yeah i don't i think if i remember her story she said she didn't go in so but either way it would make for a good conversation if you went on her show i would set it up but it's not like we're like homies or anything (laughs) but it's like yeah i know how it goes (laughs) but uh yeah uh with that i really appreciate you being on here if you ever have any other stories you feel like you know i'd be interested in let me know i'm definitely receptive to it uh you know i like to try to keep my ear to the ground for a lot of different journalists i've you know Kind of scrape up, you know, the content that I find interesting. Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of the a lot of these type of independent, uh, you know, reporters or journalists or whatever you want to call them are the the good people to follow. And I do my best to try to highlight that that work. Uh, so, but it, so I appreciate having you on. Uh, but yeah, this is a No Way Jose show. You can find me on YouTube, all the major pockets obviously as well. If you want to follow me on Twitter at Tower Gang Jose. If you want to support me financially, patreoncom no Way Jose 2020 Do remind you guys, uh, just this month, uh, you came out the. My piece got published in uh, Garrison, the Journal of History and Deep Politics. My Kenneth Trendu didn't kill himself piece. Uh, definitely go check that out. That will be in the video description when this comes out, so you can go order that. It's also got a good Richard Booth, uh, you know, essay in there and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, it's a really cool little thing he's, uh, you know, that's been put together there over at Garrison. So I, I highly recommend it. With that, we are out. Like, share, subscribe, comment, all that stuff. And that we are out.